Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. I'm Frank Benali. This is Klaus Lundekram. I'm Matt Letizia. Dean Hammond's here. And you're listening to In That Number. Here is Letizia. with me, Kevin, the Moscow Mush Milverton, and Ray Hunt. Find me on Twitter at Moscow Mush, and my co-host Ray Hunt at Ray Hunt 84 Follow the show at Number Podcast on Twitter, in that Number Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. If you've got any questions for the show, if you can be bothered, send us an email to inthatnumberpodcast at gmail.com. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or wherever it is you get your podcasts. Share, subscribe, and give us good vibes. Let's go. Welcome to another episode of In That Number. Proud to be a part of the Sports Social Network. This is episode 180. Nathan Jones is out after a miserable two months in charge. Disastrous Nathan Jones era has finally ended. Uh, So this is breaking news on the day of recording. So apologies for the lack of preparation. Uh, Nevertheless, it has been an eventful week following the collapse at Brentford. Um, and he was under pressure after his comments from Matt. And um, we've seen the Jones out hashtags are plenty. And of course, the much anticipated fans forum from Tuesday night. Uh, we also had the return to action on the field as we returned home under a huge cloud to take on Wolves. And just when you think things can't get any worse, 
Nathan Jones does the impossible and adds to the rage at an all-time low, losing to 10 men. Uh, not even Ankerson can continue with this charade, and we will break down the inexcusable defeat to 10 men Wolves, and we'll take a look at the main talking points from Tuesday night. Uh, Tim will give us the lowdown on Chelsea as we prepare to hit the capital again next Saturday. Uh, here to discuss everything with me is the returning Moscow Mush, Kevin Milverton, and Tim Bizance, T. Bizzle. Uh, firstly, Kevin, how are you, old man? Uh, <laughs> that really bad? In words, so I thought I'd express it in a noise. Personally, how are you? Because well, I mean, we didn't see you last week, so um, it's been it's, it's been a fortnight since we've spoke to you. So yeah, how's how's things been going? Yeah, about the same. Yeah, I, mean, I had a had a good uh, good day last weekend. Went to the theatre, we, we cultured. Um, I went to the theatre last night actually. Thanks for asking. Oh, did you? I didn't know. Well, I went to watch um, Troy Hawk, the stand-up comedian. Well, he's not really a stand-up comedian; he's a comedian. But um, yeah, I saw him in, in stand-up last night, and it was um, it was excellent. So yeah, if you get a chance to watch Troy Hawk, go and do it because he was excellent. So clever. Um, I, I love stand-up comedy, and I've, I've yeah. never heard of him. I, I feel like a right twat for not hearing him. No, it's, he's, he's relatively new, actually. He's um, he made a name for himself on on uh, social media because he's he stands at shops and. Oh, he's gr- it's, the yeah the greeter guy with the moustache. Yeah, he greets people. Yes, and, um, that's it. yes. Yeah, he's brilliant. Um, and yeah, we had the well when we went, we went to see because we got these vouchers for Christmas, right? And we went, we thought, oh, we're going to see Troy Hawk because he's um, playing Southampton, so we, we'll go and do it. But we were a little bit late to the party and booking tickets, and there were only two two seats available, and they were on the side uh, in singles. So like, Jamie had to sit in front of me, and I'd sit behind. And it was like singled out on the side, and I said to her, "You can't go and watch a stand-up show and sit in these seats because we are going to get." picked on big time and that is exactly what happened yeah so we, we had a little bit of interaction with um with troy hawk as well so that was fun what did they pick up on well he, they just said about the seats he just sort of looked at what is going on here and he's sort of like you know what what and Gemma said oh it's because we we got the last seats and he was like oh were you not organized then and it was just like oh god so yeah that you know what these comedians are like when they they get one person that's it they they don't leave them alone do they so um but luckily yeah. he was uh, he was spreading it around the crowd quite well. So, um, but yeah, we did we did get to meet him afterwards as well because uh, he, he did a little I say a little meet and greet at the end. He was supposed to do it at the beginning, but he he did, he did it at the end and uh, we got a photo with him and had a chat with him and yeah, it was um it was, it was good. It was a really good night and it took my mind off the football because I had a disastrous day uh, on that front. But yeah, um, ended well though, so that's good. And then obviously waking up this morning to to the news of Nathan Jones, uh, I, I'm, I'm positive. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good about it. <laughs> we, we'll get into that a little bit later on. But uh, before we go any further and bring in Tim, I'd like to say if you are enjoying the show, then please consider uh, showing your support for us by uh, visiting buymeacoffee.com forward slash in that number. Show your appreciation. And uh, yeah, we will really, really appreciate that. So any donation will be greatly appreciated. And now, Tim, how's things for you this week? Uh, crazy, crazy at work as always, but, uh, nonetheless was prancing around Chicago, got to check out a few antique shops and just buying secondhand furniture. Um, going to be moving into our place here in a couple weeks and really excited for that. Uh, always the opportunity to check out, uh, like I said, secondhand furniture. There's a few things that I'll never buy secondhand, but 
dressers and furniture, anything to keep my mind off the game uh, from today or from yesterday. That is absolutely, yeah. Keep 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 yourself occupied without the football. That's um that's always a good thing. Okay, so I am going to talk about the football now, unfortunately. Um, and and the loss, the, the last loss under Nathan Jones, though. So that's good news, considering you know the club being bottom and after the manner of defeat that we witnessed. Uh, well, the, I was pretty run down after the game yesterday, and just thinking that this podcast is becoming more and more tough each week. And you know, when me and Kev started this, it was supposed to be you know a fun space, and whatever happens on the field, we can always you know, keep it light and have a good laugh and join in our love for the club. But it's becoming more and more difficult as the weeks roll on, Kev. And I guess, you know, his position was untenable. Well, certainly after yesterday, the board, they had to act. Um, but is it too late? I guess we'll only see with the power of hindsight, to be honest. It's going to take a miracle. But, um, yeah, as the Saints and uh, I'm sure even Nathan Jones is a religious man. He's got to believe in miracles, hasn't he? But, yeah, you, <laughs> you, you, you kind of made me reminisce about when we did start the podcast. Um, remember that it was Mark Hughes who was the manager when we started. And we were we were quite positive at the beginning of that season. We had a fantastic transfer window, um, just managed to stay up. And... Uh, I think things were looking good and they turned sour fairly quickly and then we got in row. So, um, yeah, maybe there's going to be a similar turn of fortunes when you're going to get a world-class manager who's going to do the nigh on impossible and get the wins to keep us up. I mean, if we'd have won yesterday, we would have lifted ourselves off the bottom of the table at least and it would have only taken one more win to get us out of that relegation zone. So, you know, we're not that deep in the ship. We're in it, but, you know, we're, we're not quite dead and buried yet. I appreciate the optimism, but when you think you can't beat a Wolves, a struggling Wolves side with 10 men, you have to look at the teams and think, who, who can we beat? Because this situation, considering the game, the, the situation that the game was in as well, 1-0 up, cruising, incomplete control, and then, you know, 10 men, and we still completely fall apart. So I... I do question where these wins are going to come from because all these games coming up now, they're just, well, they're, they're, they're tough. They're very tough. And Luckily, Chelsea look quite beatable at the moment. Well, so did Wolves. <laughs> but yeah, it's, um, yeah, you have to be positive in it, in a sense that there is still time. I know it doesn't look like there there is, and but it's so tight down there. So you just need a, a decent run of results. Yes, <laughs> and, and more, yeah. time than, more time than Mark Hughes had. That's true. That is true, but we weren't bottom of the league when he took over, so. But hey ho, uh, Tim. Yeah, I, I found myself well checking my phone more and more over this week for the, for news of, of the Jones departure, and it's happened now. And you know, I have to be honest, I felt worse after hearing Rasmus's comments on Tuesday night, and I didn't expect it because of those comments. But you know, you look back five days ago, he and the entire board backed him. And said that they'd not let ego get in the way and, and, you know, they'd admit their mistakes. And yet, you know, they haven't yet. And the club statement, it's brief. I mean, I don't know if there's anything else that's that's been on there since. But I read the statement. It says, Southampton Football Club can confirm it has parted company with men's first team manager Nathan Jones. First team coaches Chris Cohen and Alan Sheehan have also left the, the, the club. First team coach Ruben Seles will take charge of training and prepare the team ahead of next weekend's game against Chelsea. That's it. That's all I've got so far. 
Very, very brief. It's necessary after the consistent and <laughs> constant rambling uh, that Nathan Jones had in last uh, press conferences. So clear and concise, got him out of the club. He caused too many problems, and it's time to move on. Uh, Ruben Sellas is the right choice because he's, for at least for continuity purpose, he was brought in in the offseason to support and help out Ralph as a different perspective and to potentially challenge him. And he's the only one who is really there consistently throughout the entire season. So uh, let's just hope there could be a miracle because right now, if for the remaining games, we got a point and a half each game uh, on average. So you win one, you lost one for the rest of the season. We'd finish at 39 points. So I don't even 40 points is usually the Hmm. potential saving grace. So right now, that's what the uphill struggle is for us. Can we do it? Yes. Do we need a miracle? Well, let's tie back into the uh, initial uh, development of the team back in the St. Mary's Church in 1885 and start praying because that's (laughs) really all we can hope for at this point. Yes, indeed. And, you know, he was asked at this at this fans forum, if we lose to Wolves, would that be the end? And yet Rasmus still refused to say that it would be. Uh, and he, you know, he wouldn't. He'd said that when enough was enough, we'd know. Uh, but I don't know. Kev, I just feel like this is all fan pressure now, which isn't a bad thing. But, you know, do, do they actually believe that they've made the right decision or is the or do they think that the decision's ours, that they've been pressured into this? Um, yeah, I think, you know, um, Rasmus does strike me as uh, the sort of person who finds it difficult to admit he's made a mistake. Um, a lot of the time, the strategy and, you know, it's made it very clear from the fans forum, not just about Nathan Jones, but about transfer policy and in other areas that um, he thinks that he's. I mean, I mean, I don't doubt that he's a, he's a clever guy and he's smart, but he, if he, you know, he seems to think, and others around him seem to think they can outsmart the system somehow, and that they they know better, and that all of these mm-hmm. metrics, uh, you know, they they work, and that you can you can win and do better as a football club for, based on statistics, but when it doesn't translate into the statistics that really matter goals in the back of the net and points chalked up on the board. Uh, it doesn't matter at all. And, and yeah, I'm sure I'll end up repeating the same idea. I just think that uh, they've taken a very risky strategy, put all of their eggs in uh, this one basket. And uh, yeah, we're paying the price now for it. Sense a little bit of arrogance from him? I think, yeah. I mean, on the one hand, I suppose you have to be to be in that kind of position. But um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got. I, I think he came across as that on on you know towards. I mean towards the forum at the end of the forum and stuff. He was just getting a little bit defensive. repetitive, defensive. Yeah, mm. over the over the whole thing. But I mean, what did you what do you expect? I mean, this this fans forum was always going to backfire on them. But you know, they still come I out. Don't think did so. it. I think well, they I came mean, out looking good. I mean, the fact that they did it at all, um, and they did make the point that um, a lot of other clubs don't. But also, Kev, they had this they had this planned a long, long time ago. Yeah. So also they were backed into a corner and such that they couldn't cancel it um, because that was worse. Exactly. So they still come out and they still did it and they still face the music and they and you know the backlash that they were gonna have they they knew what was coming 
Um, and obviously they were well prepared for it. But I mean, the whole the whole era now will be looked back upon. Wow. Yeah. A worse scale than Pellegrino and, and, and Puel and, and Hughes and everyone who's had the pleasure of managing us because, you know, the bad results for him, the strange comments, nearly every presser and his latest one when he said I could have stayed in the mining community, being a PE teacher, <laughs> and, and had a nice, nice life, place. married a nice Welsh girl, and you know I didn't. You know, yeah, it's um, it's bizarre, isn't it? And I, I don't know, has he had any media training? Because I, I just cringe every time he talks. No, I, I don't mind that. I mean, it's given us a bit of entertainment um, off the pitch, despite the results. We got we got a pantomime villain there. Um, <laughs> yeah, but it's kind of refreshing that he says what he thinks and what he feels. But um, unfortunately. Um, it does reveal him to be um, completely incompetent <laughs> yeah. and, and slightly unhinged. Yeah, yeah, possibly. And yeah. I think he must have got everybody's back up. I mean, the, the fans were on his back after a couple of games. And then we got those cup wins and that um, gave him, you know, a little bit more time. But, yeah, for the last couple of weeks, it, yeah, he... he I think after Ralph, if someone had come in and they got the fans on board and said, "Look, you know it's going to be difficult. We're going to we're going to uh, we're going to work hard at trying to get the results and see some improvements. You know, bear with us." And it, you know, maybe the bit of media training might have got them a bit more time. But uh, at least we we see what we've been dealing with. He lost the fans quite early on. I, I think he probably lost the dressing room um, a lot earlier than we maybe realised. And, um, yeah, finally he's lost the confidence of the board. After five days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, like it, it, to be honest, looking on their result, I think they they understood quite clearly that they'd uh, taken a risk by giving him even one more game to prove himself. So, uh, yeah, they didn't have any other choice but to, to let him go. Yeah. And, you know, the operation Save Our Season, uh, which I'm coining it, is now on but whoever comes in it's they've got a hell of a job on their hands and you know we need a manager that can save us we need someone with experience and this appointment has to be spot on you cannot mess around now and it because he doesn't have to just turn around the results they have to create that culture uh that belief uh, we don't score enough we concede too many that the leadership is being questioned as well on the field get this wrong tim and yeah we're back to square one aren't we Unfortunately, I think it's too far gone uh, for the team right now. And going back to Ankerson, at least my belief is he's been too focused on the numbers, the data, and the idea that the team can be supported in a tried-and-true Brentford mentality. Well, the one key to the Brentford mentality was Thomas Frank. And with Thomas Frank, who can be fairly brash and be fairly blunt with the way he explains things but number one besides backing it up on the field he's very 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 articulate and can provide that touch that doesn't uh that nathan jones didn't have so my belief is that sports republic has been focused on the data too much and really the the science behind what soccer is so uh sorry to our friend uh who doesn't like the term soccer but (laughs) um I believe that because there is the social impact side of it. 
And I think they get the community aspect. I think they get the holistic approach that that the game can provide the community and the and the club and the players and everybody else that's connected to it. But ultimately, the the social impact and the support that Nathan Jones really truly faltered as much as he was on the field was his inability to support the team overall. So everything comes down from it now you know, winning is everything and winning cures, you know, winning cures the blues. It's, we see that in the NFL. We see that in a lot of uh, American sports that you can put up with a, a shithead comparatively um, like uh, Tortorella is a great, is a great mm. example. Um, and eventually he, he goes by the wayside and gets fired because he, he, no one wants to put up with him when he's not doing well. So quickly thereafter, Nathan Jones and the data, the science, the best manager in Europe as they talk about it, Mm. weren't considering what they really needed to be was a leader. And Nathan Jones did not provide that. And it's sad to see that. And I can't even fathom what you guys are going through. A person who's followed the team now for over a decade and was there even right at the beginning of the a previous championship campaign. Uh, I, I, I haven't seen such a disparity in this team. This was the worst, and I would gladly take the two nine zero losses again, knowing that we had Ralph, who was there as not a disciple, but really the focal point of the team and can gather and pick the team back up. Where in 12 games, 14 games, however it is, it's too, way too long as it, as it was. Um, Nathan Jones just torpedoed us, and <laughs> I'm... I've got some stats coming up here in a little bit with what can show really why he wasn't a good quality fit. Um, but it's just blaring issues left and right for him. And it's good that he's gone, but it's uh, let's just hope the best and we can, we can pursue and get that miracle that we need. Yeah. And looking at the next few fixtures for this miracle, I mean, you've got Chelsea next week, as, as we'll go on to later on, uh, and they're looking for results to turn it around quickly. And then we've got Leeds, which is, you know, it's a real six pointer. Uh, you've got Leicester, who scored four against Spurs. Uh, you've got Man United, who've been rejuvenated the last few months. And then you've got that rearranged Brentford game, who just hammered us three nil. So, like I said, it's tough. It's, it's very tough. And so much needs to change in this short period of time. And Kevin, I know that you're one to look at the odds of two managers because well, everyone does as well. Um, have you seen any that, um, since the, the, the firing of Nathan Jones that really uh, that really take your eye? Because, I mean, now, you know, not only are we competing with Leeds in terms of points, but we're also competing for a new manager as well. And that person who does get the job of one of those is going to be, you know, he's got the choice to go to Saints or to, or to go to Leeds. And at the moment... It's, it's a clear choice, isn't it? Yeah. We need to strike while the iron's hot and we need to beat Leeds to it. And, uh, yeah, I hope that uh, Leeds aren't in talks with Claude Puel because uh, he, he hasn't been doing anything for the last year or so. So um, we need to get him back in. No, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you. Uh, <laughs> I'd rather we're playing pure ball, to be honest, than any of Then Than championship ball, yeah. But, I mean, yeah, in, in terms of the... Yeah. yeah. In terms of like odds at newest managers, who who have you who have you come across? Um, I'm very worried to see Steven Gerrard as one of the favourites. I'm glad you said that. Um, I've heard a lot of people say that Steven Gerrard would be good, but I mean, 
Nathan Jones has got more experience than him. And what's he done, by the way? He got sacked at Villa and we're supposed to sit back and be good with that. Is he the best, really, that we can hope for? I mean, Gallardo would be great. That would be a coup because, I mean, I think Leeds have been quite strongly in with them, haven't they? Yeah, exactly, which is why we we need to, yeah, like you say, strike when the iron's hot. Uh, Poch, everyone's clamouring to get him back. Um, he won't, he won't know, want to come back. And can we offer him the amount of money that would be enough to, to tempt him, but to even to take us to the end of the season? I'm I'm not sure. Rafa Benitez, that'd be very interesting. I think he could, yeah, I think looking at all the, the candidates, I think he'd probably be the best one. It's so sad to see that when Ralph went and they were, there were stories about Rafa, mm. not necessarily positive stories that he's coming. It was just more like in the odds. And I thought, I don't want Rafa. But now it's like, yes. Did you not? No. Yeah, I know. I'd love Rafa. You know, I think Nathan Jones would have been um, a great signing for us if, um, we'd we'd got another manager who'd taken us to the end of the season, and for whatever reason we still got relegated. And okay, you know we're going to lose a lot of players. Jones will build us up in the Championship and uh, and take us back to the Premier League. Uh, that that I could probably get behind, but it's such a such a was such a high risk appointment. I think that um, the board are going to really rankle the fans uh, who, to be honest we're kind of half accepting that we're probably going to get relegated anyway. So just get us a, a manager that we can be excited about. So at least, you know, we've got something that we want to watch every weekend um, yeah. rather than address. So, it, you know, we, can't get, a, it's we can't get a manager without good top elite level experience. And Absolutely. yeah, Stephen Gerrard doesn't fit the bill. Um yeah, let's. Uh, I've got a longer list. I don't know if I sent it to you. Um, yeah, that was a while back. That was even before he was sacked. Um, yeah, who's out of a job? Uh, Poch, Tuchel, Tedesco. Mm. Um, I, think all, I think all of those are, are far too good for us. If I'm being honest, Tedesco just went to Belgium uh, national team. Right. Okay. Wow. I didn't, uh, um, well, Mar- Martinez is out of a job then. <laughs> Yeah, we haven't mentioned Mar- Marcelo Bielsa. Uh, he's probably a, a Premier League reject that I would accept. You know? I don't know if we should be looking at managers that have recently been sacked by teams that are in and around us. That, that includes Steven Gerrard. Why? Why? What, what, what are they going to do that's different for us? I, I, I questioned Sean Dyche when we had a chance. And now that he's gone to Everton, I'm thinking, yeah, why not? Why didn't they just get him into the end of the season just to keep us up? Um, but yeah, now, now, now I just want, I, you, you just, I'm hoping that the board aren't thinking the same as us. Like, let's just get any, anyone in now and just to, just to get us safe. I don't, I don't, if I was Sean Dyke, I wouldn't be accepting job offers so like, oh, you'll do to the end of the season. Um, he wants to be part of, of some term projects. And, um, yeah, if they can, if he can make Everton even just avoid the car crash that they have every season. Uh, that'll be a great success for them. They're not. They're, I don't think the expectations are pretty high at Everton. They just want to, to yeah, to stop the hemorrhaging. I don't think it, that um, Dyke is a, an appointment that would would fit Southampton as a model at all. No, short term, like I say, probably. But, but yeah, yeah, but you know, he's not going to take no, short term. So. No, I, I I understand that. Yeah, um, but I just I just want the board to to actually take their time over this one, even though we don't have the time. That's the thing. But 
you know, instead of just going straight into a Nathan Jones appointment, actually think about it. And, you know, this goes back to what Tim said. Don't go on numbers, just on numbers. We need experience. We need someone who's been there, done that and, and, and kept teams up before. And I'm not talking about Sam Allardyce. So we, we do need. Yeah, we need that experience. That year is finished. Uh, yes, it has. It has. Um, right, we've talked about the sacking a little bit, but um, we're going to go into into the ITN news now, and we'll uh, we'll go on to that fans forum. So let, let's um let's hit the rest of the ITN news. This is ITN in that number news. Okay, so ITN news then. I mean, I, I I prepared a discussion about the fans forum on on Wednesday and Thursday this week, and it doesn't really seem relevant now because um, we've got what we wanted. You know, we we and, and I don't really want to stray away from from that because we do have to talk about this still. Um, so I, we'll go, we'll go over some of the finer points from that forum if you didn't get a chance to see it. Um, but I wasn't one of the lucky ones to to attend. But I mean, obviously, I've, I've watched the recording afterwards. Um. It wasn't live stream because all the focus was solely on that FA Youth Cup game against Fulham. Um, so they, they, they put it out pretty much straight after. Kevin, then, what stood out for you amongst this forum? Um, you know, I, I came away from it uh, feeling rather rather positive, believe it or not. Because, I was the complete opposite. Um, yeah. Yeah, just because, like I mentioned in the intro, that I, or, you know, at the start of the show, that Rasmus was, was, was planning to back Nathan Jones. Uh, and that left me feeling a little bit blue because I just thought, even though he said it wasn't an ego thing, I just felt that it, it you know, it was, and they were prepared to, to stand by him and watch us go down. No, I don't think so. I got, I got the, I got the impression that um, it was last chance saloon anyway for Jones. Um, Erasmus Ankerson, he's just one man, and um, yeah, Simmons, Tommy Steele, and uh, Henrik Kraft. Yeah, uh, he didn't really say much crap, did he? So um, no, he wasn't getting. He, uh, he 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 wasn't getting it, was he? He wasn't. There wasn't a lot of uh, uh, focus. It was mostly on Rasmus. And, no, uh, Martin, yeah, I must Ma- say. Martin Simmons tried to step in and, and and you know take the the the, uh, the heat away from from Rasmus. Yeah, no, I mean the, the the club say that they, they give him a, a stay of execution after Brentford, and um, yeah, that Wolves loss was uh, a death sentence, and uh, yeah, finally he was uh, executed this morning. So yeah, that chapter's over. But yeah, like I said, Rasmus is is one man, and you know he's does the constant corporate Euro waffle, like talking about the DNA of the club and all this bollocks, mm-hmm. um, and the you know, we've got all these data reference reference points that we see that there's sure. a lot more behind the scenes that the fans can't see, which yes, I suppose is true. Um, but he did list a relationship with players. He did, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't get the impression that those have been good recently. Um, quality of training, I can't pass judgment on that. Clarity of plan, don't see that at all. Clear yeah, what sense is of the, What is the plan? What is the plan? You know, you didn't clarify what that plan was. I just, yeah. it's easy to say those things, but we haven't seen it. And a clear sense of direction. The only direction I see us going is down. Yes, exactly. And Tim, the first question that come up was like, why have we ended up, or how did we end up with Nathan Jones? And his his response was like, when we recruit a new manager, we, we look at all these different parameters um, and clean sheets being one of them, set plays as well. And we search from that, we give him an interview, and then we pick that fit that parameter. 
And it seems to me that we can't keep clean sheets. And if anything, defending set pieces has become even worse. So those parameters were not met. You know, we, we, we kept a clean sheet against Man City of all teams in the Carabao Cup. But in the league, you have to go back to the 19th of October. And that was a one nil win against Bournemouth. And some of those problems were Ralph, too. I accept that. But in the league, Jones has never kept a clean sheet. In his set, this is before Wolves, by the way. So in his seven league games, we've conceded 14 goals at an average of two per game. That most certainly has not improved. So I look at Ralph's last seven games, you know, in comparison, the games which ended up being, his, you know, is with his dismissal and his goals per game was just over 1.6. And in that stretch, we played, you know, Arsenal, Newcastle, City, in that Newcastle and City game, we conceded four in each of them. And still, Ralph's statistics are better. So those main metrics that Rasmus has been you know, talking about and looking at that we have to improve upon have got worse, far worse. Set piece per game, 0.7 compared to Ralph's one in his last seven. So the bottom line is, Tim, under Jones, we've conceded more goals and we conceded more from set pieces. How is that meeting those parameters that he searched for? It's not. And let's take uh, Brentford, for example, because I believe that Rasmus Ankerson is really, truly uh, actually trying to build around a style that Brentford uh, was. So Thomas Frank's team is the most direct team in the league. They play so direct that they and what we don't realize is that Ivan Tony up there is an absolute tank and destroyer. This past game that Arsenal played uh, Brentford. Ivan Tony won all of his headers against William Saliba. Saliba's had an amazing season so far. So right there, you're talking about direct play and direct uh, direct balls. And so hopefully that would, you know, Tall Paul could uh, could eventually have done that. But right there, it wasn't what we were necessarily looking for. So add in all of the other stats that are uh, that we that we can talk about. So the lack of goal threat, the lack of progression, the lack of you know goals and assists per ninety minutes. Overall, though, the performance on individual players had not seen fit with what his style is, and I think that looking at Nathan Jones, he he's in the numbers and the data. It made sense, but it wasn't it wasn't there. So, uh, man, it's just shit to think about, and it's just going to knock their that that one decision. I mean, they made lots of signings and lots of other things, but that one decision mm. is going to take tear us down. Yeah, and whether they they admit that now or not, and Kev, they they mentioned about obviously they're going to get a lot of people talking about team selections and why you know. Chaletta Sarr is, is, is in the in the B team. He said that, you know, and, he, and I think this was Martin Simmons, actually, wasn't it? He said that we all have frustration with the team selection, but it's not their job to pick the team. Um, and they did say that Nathan Jones has been good at integrating the new boys. I don't see that either, Kev. No, yeah, and I don't think the, the, the fans there were particularly happy with that answer because it, it came up time and time again. Um, why have we got players that we've signed this season playing in the B team at Baker's Belief? And what answer do you expect them to have? They can't have an answer to it. Uh, and, yeah, you know, it's not their job to, to pick the squads. That's something you've got to take up with, with the manager. He wasn't there. But, uh, yeah, uh, I kind of feel, feel, feel sorry for them because, they, you know, they did, did try their best to, to answer the questions as honestly as possible. And um, mm. I'll give the, give the fans who were their credit as well. 
Um, most of the fans were, you know, fairly respectful and put their point across very well. There was a guy at the end, I don't know if you heard, um, probably the most aggressive question, uh, older fella, and his name was um, Martin Bourne, <laughs> unfortunately. But um, it just off the record, like if, I don't know, if, like, if you're naming your child and your name's Bourne, like, Hopefully avoid the name Martin. <laughs> um, what was this question? Was it about the, the, the transfer strategy? Like, was it wrong or was it badly managed or both? Yeah, it was, it was something like that. It was something that had been asked before, so I didn't really pay, pay, give it too much attention. But again, you know, they, they said it was a correct one and the, the players can get better. But again, they don't seem to realise that we're running out of time. Or do they realise this? I don't know. And they said that they got no problem admitting mistakes and they said the ego won't get in the way. But one thing that I did like was when someone asked, you know, when is the point of no return? When is it enough? You know, um, is it the mm-hmm. Wolves game? And he got Rasmus got really defensive there. And he said the point of no return is when we say, you know, there, there is no set date. Well, it turns out there is because, you know, five days later, you've gone back on that and you said, yeah, enough's enough now. But I get I and mean, he's not going to come out and say, yeah, you know, if Nathan Jones loses to Wolves on Saturday, then we'll get rid of him. He's a he fucking goner, mate. Yeah. Yeah. He can't say <laughs> that. But at the same time, I really believe that Rasmus believed in what he was saying, that he didn't think that they were going to sack him, even if they did go and get thumped by Wolves. I, I guess it's just the manner and way they that they got beat and the, the fans reaction you know, at the stadium, they've got no choice but to get rid of him. They have to start listening to the fans. Yeah, they, they weren't really, weren't really left with a choice. But I think, you know, I, I understand that uh, you need, that fans get, are going to get emotional because they're, they're passionate and they care about it. And you, you have to kind of detach yourself from the emotion and make practical, pragmatic decisions. And that's, that's their job. Um, and, you know, it's probably, a good thing that you don't have uh, die-in-the-wall fans running the club mm. because it would be a disaster. Yeah, anarchy. But at the same time, they, yeah, they have to remember and understand who's putting money into the club by turning up every week. Bit disappointed that they didn't really talk more about the the transfers and the transfer strategy um, because before the so attention they, that's so they did try the in the summer window to try and sign a striker but it's not like playing football manager you know you, you yeah it take time and as, as far as i understood that you know they tried and failed they, yeah. they couldn't get one past the, the line at the deadline um which is sad because in previous seasons we've had targets we've gone for them and we've got them um yeah imagine if if we had rather than taking this risky strategy. I mean, Rasmus talks about, you know, return on investment. Like, I wouldn't have him running my investment portfolio because, you know, (laughs) it's such a high-risk strategy, you know, that you you go for um, that mid-range where, you know, they could be good, they could be awful, but you're paying, you know, 10, 15 million. That's that's a high risk. If you get in youngsters like um, Adozi and whatever, that um, are not too expensive, you know, six to ten million. That's fine. But you supplement that with more experienced players that you know that can walk straight into the first team and make a difference. And we haven't really got any players like that. Well, I mean, if if we reverse the windows, if you look at the the summer window, if we had assigned Orsic, if we had assigned, well, Chalatsar, we did. Um, if we would have signed uh, Sulemana, if we would have signed Onuachu. 
in that summer window. And then in this January window, you get the likes of Larios, you get the likes of Adozi, Imara. Yeah, would that have made the difference? I still think it's too many players. You know, I'd like to sort of squeeze like two or three of those players' uh, transfer fees into one and just get a superstar. Yeah. We've done it before. We've broken the bank before. Um, When Hughes got in those five players, I think that's the best transfer window that, that we've had. Yeah, that's fine. But, you know, he's one of those players in that price category where, you know, he could go one of either ways. He looked very promising and he has shown. He had he had had Champions League experience and it was a player that we'd all known about. So, yeah, and he's one of those players like like Redmond that, you know, you see like what he's capable of in some matches and others. He just he's just a passenger. But, um, yeah, we brought in in Stu then. brought in uh, a, a keeper, uh, Vestergaard, who, you know, uh, at the time he sold him, was, he was a fairly decent defender. I don't know how he's off. collapsed yeah. the player. Yeah, yeah. Um, OK, so we, we've talked enough about the about the, um, about the the forum. As I say, most of it's irrelevant now because they've moved on from that and we shall move on from that also. Um, and yeah. we'll talk about some, uh, some better things. Uh, the the FA Cup. Some news, yeah. The FA Cup, uh, of course, we we, we weren't going to, it was going to be Luton Town. We all thought it was going to be Luton Town, but of course it's not. It's Grimsby Town in the fifth round. Uh, and that game will take place on Wednesday, the 1st of March. And that is a 7.15 kickoff. And that is live on ITV4. Um, and in other news, uh, it's good to see the club has donated £10,000 to the British Red Cross to support aid efforts in Turkey and Syria in the earthquake disaster. So that's that's nice because I'm not I'm not sure that, that any other club has done that. I can't vouch for it. No. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've not heard. So that's what I can say. Um, and also that that Brentford game uh, that was postponed for the Queen's death has now got a new date finally. And it will be Wednesday, the 15th of March. And that's 7.30 kickoff. Yeah. Low knees then. I mean, we can discuss this, actually, because Nathan Teller, uh, Burnley, he, he played uh, against Ipswich in their FA Cup fourth round replay. Uh, they had a 2-1 win and both. Burnley goals, Tim, scored by Nathan Teller. Uh, and Vincent Company actually joked after the game that he hid the phones in case Saints recalled him on the on the window, which was nice to see. Um, but things got even better for him, actually, because Burnley cruised to a 3-0 win over Preston. And Teller got a hat-trick on Saturday. So that's five goals in two games. Burnley have won 10 in a row. There's seven points clear at the top of the championship. He's got 14 goals on the season now. And that's four goals off the top spot. He's going to want to stay up there now, isn't he? Because it, it, it looks likely that the teams are going to be swapping places. And really, you cannot blame him if he does make the move permanent or does want to make the move permanent, whether it's up to him or not. Yeah, he's just keep. Uh, I want Teller to keep doing well because likely he's going to get sold to, and Burnley is going to want him and they're going to have to pay a nice healthy price for him. And let's hope that we sell him for whatever we paid a dozy for, because I think in the same mold that tell tell is a dozy and a dozy was for about 13 million pounds or up to it. That is. So I think that's the price, the price tag that we should be looking at for 14 goals in the championship. And Absolutely, let's, yeah. Stop and let's, yeah. And let's just maybe even goes a little bit higher. Uh, let's just, it's just the, the hope, hope there because as much as I want to, don't want to think about going into next year, uh, there's some things that we'll have to consider, and that's one of them. Oh, absolutely, and you know that the, the big cash boost will be when they get to the Premier League. 
they can afford it. <laughs> They'll be fine. So, yeah, we should pump them for everything that we can. Uh, Ryan Finnegan at Crewe, he picked up a point in an eventful 2-2 draw at Crawley on Saturday. Uh, Crewe down to 10 men uh, late on. It was a 90 or 87-minute red card. Uh, and Finnegan picked up an assist. So, uh, good stuff for him. Um, yeah, that's it for the loanies. Birthdays, then. We had two birthdays in the week. Uh, Thursday the 9th. Uh, Gordon Strachan. How old is Gordon? 71. Ooh. 69. Oh, he's 66. 66. Oh, um, and sorry. it was uh, Adam Armstrong's birthday on Friday, Friday the 10th. How old's Adam Armstrong? 27. He's 25. He's 26 now. So right in between. Oh. Yeah, B team then. Uh, Friday the 10th, they played Sunderland at the Snow Stadium and a 2-2 draw. Stoppage time equaliser from Sam Amo Amayar. Um, after Will Ferry, uh, Will Ferry, Jesus, he's he left ages ago. Will Merry's uh, goal uh, coming off the bench. Um, they're top of the league now, by the way, the B team. And their next game is uh, Monday the 20th, and that is West Brom away. Uh, the women, uh, they had a 2-0 win over Crystal Palace yesterday, when, uh, yesterday uh, last Saturday, Sunday when we were recording. Uh, goals from Sophia Farah and Ella Pusey, both injury time goals in each half. So brilliant. So, yeah, they played today, uh, Sunday, the 12th, as we record. Uh, and they won 1-0, a goal from Katie Wilkinson on the 79th minute. So, yeah. Uh, and also a goalkeeper, Sophie Harris, um, departed the club in the week uh, and has since announced her retirement. So, yeah, best of luck to her. Uh, under 18s. Uh, they played on Tuesday, the 7th, the same night as that fans forum. And that was against Fulham at St. Mary's in the FA Youth Cup, um, and a 3-2 win after taking a 3-0 lead in 13 minutes made it uh, quite a nervy finish. But yeah, Kamari Doyle and Don Ballard with a double uh, seized them into the quarterfinals where they will play Preston. Um, and they played again on Saturday, Aston Villa, and they won 4-2 uh, in Birmingham. Uh, goals from Joe Andrews, a double from Tommy Lee Higgs, and Will Merry again. It's a good week for Merry. He's scored for the Bees and the under-18s. So good stuff. They're moving up the table. I think they're up to 10th now. And they've got games in hand over their nearest rivals as well. And they play next Saturday against Spurs at Staplewood. OK, fellas, now uh, on to on to Wolves. Something I found interesting in this Wolves game pregame was that Jones said in his programme notes that we were determined to put things right. The Brentford game did not represent Southampton Football Club. And I quote... We were not aggressive enough and didn't play quickly enough in possession. We have to play with more intensity. With respect, Kevin, we saw the opposite yet again, um, especially in that second half against 10 men, 1-0 up, in control. You sit back and you let Wolves hit you. That's exactly it. I mean, we weren't that bad in the first half. Um, no, first half was good. It was good. Quite. Positive, yeah. mm. the old the old cliches against a game of two halves, and um, we threw away the second. Um, Fucks it up. Um, is there a chance for that? Um, we were one ten nil. men down, <laughs> and you were one nil ahead at, at half time, and you still fucked it up. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Tim, I'll say it again. The board were looking for clean sheets uh, when they appointed Jones. <laughs> that record now: one clean sheet in twenty-eight conceded. In our last 13, this is all at St. Mary's, by the way. Um, and the stats suggest that in this fixture, we had you know, the worst performing home side against the worst performing away side. So something you have to give. Uh, and it certainly did give for Wolves. That's two on the spin for them. Yeah, absolutely. Started off uh, looking fairly decent. 
fairly progressive, and uh, we found what was uh, a space between the lines. And I think there was a breakup between, well, I think it was um, Sarabia alongside Lamina and uh, some disconnect there between even with Matinho. Um, this, uh, we were able to get progressive a little bit uh, more than we expected. And I think we caught them off guard because of the 5-3-2 formation, which even in their scouting reports, uh, it wasn't they weren't able to know or see because when we ended up playing three fullbacks with Maitland Niles, uh, James Bree, and in, in, in Perot, we were able to progress forward more than we than they probably even expected. Um, so started off pretty well and mm. led to uh, a, a, some a positive there with in the Alcaraz goal. Yeah. Good goal as well. That was a very, very good hit. Um, Kev, full debuts for Paul Anuachu and, and Kamaldeen Sulemana. Still sticking with Bednarek, which proved, you know, yep. bad decision. Yep. Uh, Maitland-Niles again, also. Uh, but we did get the three-man midfield of Prousi, Lavia and Alcaraz, however. That that was a good thing. I mean, that was the only thing that I took from the eleven When I saw it, I thought, oh, at least we've got those, you know, and the new boys are getting yeah. my chance. When it first comes out and your eyes are drawn to the centre of the picture, yeah. And, yeah, that that you're like, oh, OK, great. What the fuck's going on at the back? <laughs> um, yeah. And it's yeah, interesting I know, because given the debuts, I understand that. But yeah, uh, he he said that he'd uh, compromised too much, and uh, this is Jones ball. This is a Jones formation. Yeah, we can see that three at the back. What the fuck is Maiden Niles doing there? Yeah, and Gen- it's weird because Niles yeah, not even in the squad. No, he was not, and neither was um Orsic. But when I saw the um the the I looked at it on Sky because I was on my way to the ground when when the uh the team sheet come out and. The, the formation was all wrong from Sky, like it usually is, because, I mean, let's face it, they, they don't know what Jones is doing. Jones doesn't even know what he's doing. Um, <laughs> and it had it had Maitland-Niles playing uh, wide rights up top. And I thought, that can't be right, surely. Surely he's got to be going with a back three and using them as wing backs. But they had it as a three up front and, you know, him up there. And I thought, very, very strange. And then also seeing um, uh, Walcott on the bench again. <laughs> it was like, oh, Jesus Christ. But there was a tiny piece of good news amongst all the shit, and that was Stuart Armstrong on the bench. Um, and he did come on the field. And I get, he come on right at a bad time because we'd already just, we just lost the second goal. And there was, the chorus of booze was at Jones. There was fans going around to Jones and showing him his P45. And Stuart Armstrong comes on the pitch <laughs> after a lengthy layout. And I felt so sorry because I wanted to stand up and applaud Stuart Armstrong for coming back. And nice to see him. But you just got caught up in all the shit that was going on around the ground. And I just felt like that wasn't, brought up enough so yeah it's so nice to see Stuart Armstrong back and let's hope, hope he uh, can keep the likes of uh, Walcott away uh, yeah I mean the, the substitutions when they came was, yeah, it was too little too late I mean Stuart Armstrong came up pretty much in injury time didn't he yeah 89th minute he came on uh, which yeah, I guess was, pretty, the, was the plan all along anyway just to give him a couple of minutes yeah and, yeah total shit show I mean I think you know the, the with the lineup, it says more about the players I mean is, is Bella Kopchap injured uh, I'm yeah, yeah he's yeah. injured and as is um Walker Peters still. Yeah, yeah, Walker Peters. Like, yeah, fair enough. But uh, yeah, yeah, and it was a day of reckoning, wasn't it for Joe? Well, it proved to be because there, there was a lot riding on it, and you, I don't yeah. know. You could sense the scent. It was a anticipation around the ground, and usually everyone's quite chatty, and you can just go and chat to the people next to you and all around you. And it was a little bit more subdued prior to kickoff, and there's lots of nerves floating around. That was probably on my heart, my part as well, because I was nervous and. Mm. 
I just wanted to focus and, and, and get get the game going. And like Tim said, it was a positive start. Actually, it was a good 45. It looked looked promising. And Tim, I, I want to talk about the, the first, well, the, the main point of the game, which which is what people are going to hark back on. And that's Mario Lamina. Uh, nine minutes <laughs> in, he, get, he gets his first yellow card. He treads on the heel or the ankle of, of Alcaraz. No, no complaints, right? Because I remember thinking at the time, 80 minutes is a long time to go with just you know on, on a yellow card. Yeah, when you're looking at him, uh, the initials, it, w- it was a stamp. Now Malice was not there, but it was poor from him. He was late on no, the attack. No, and it was nice to hit for him to just be like, yeah, and hold his hands up and admit that he'd made a mistake there. Yeah, it's, and players need to honestly need to admit their faults or need to admit when they're wrong. He recognized what he did, and he took the yellow card and ran with it. So, um, all in all, right play, right movement, and uh, yeah, you're right. When you have that many, when you have that long on a yellow card, uh, it, something that can go wrong would go wrong, and your 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 ability to have errors in the future would be a problem. So yeah, and I picked that up from Ward Prowse as well. I thought he was going to get because uh, he got an early yellow as well, and I thought for fuck's sake he's going to just repeat what, what um Lamina's done but well, luckily he held he held off for a bit his was much. absolutely atrocious too <laughs> yeah. I, did you, I don't know if you saw that yeah oh god yeah he was, was just holding the player one. back no need no need for it not in yeah, that position most people were behind the ball it was in the first half of the game 35 minutes in or so and he made a mistake and he decides to hold the guy back what in the hell is he doing like, what in the hell is he doing? That just was absolutely baffling to me. And the announcers here in the U- on USA Network were just like, why? <laughs> like, yeah. that was just a terrible, like, let him go. You're t- you've got 10 men. You're up 1-0. You're, you've got most men behind the ball. There's no reason there to take that yellow card. And it was also deserved, too. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Kev, the, the, the goal. Our only goal, Charlie Alcaraz, uh, not giving up on the chance. And the first swipe with his back to goal, the second much better contact just goes in off the post. And yes, absolute joy. Yeah, I imagine you know, a huge sigh of relief for, uh, at St. Mary's as well. Um, yeah, really good. Uh, More disbelief, really. <laughs> yeah, I, I like the first shot. He controls it with his shoulder and just hits it on the body. But um, yeah. Got blocked by Dawson, but luckily ends it ends up right back at his feet and um, he just rolls it in off off the near post. And you're thinking, uh, well, yeah, after after that that one goal, okay, yeah, it's maybe not enough. We know that it's almost impossible for us to keep a clean sheet, but that early on getting a goal in, brilliant. We've got control of the game. Anything can happen now. <laughs> yeah, and the attacks did come again because they, they they kept on at them. That the crowd were loud, which was good. Mm. Um, and it did get even better because Lamina was off before half an hour. Cheerios <laughs> from the fans and everything rosy. I wasn't really entirely aware no. of what, what was happening. I didn't understand why he got the second yellow. For no, it wasn't. Still... It was a ridiculous decision. It was a ridiculous it, decision. That it was since. for the cent, right? Yeah, that's yeah. that's what I get. Um, he, he was complaining because he got he should have had a free kick, uh, apparently so, which wasn't a free kick, by the way. Uh, but I've heard Ruben Neves say after the game that he came up to the referee. I think it was Jan Moutinho who came up to the referee as well. Um, and Mario Lamina was the third one to come up to the referee. And the referee decided to give it to the third person. And then he thought, I've already booked you. So off you go. So 
<laughs> Cheerio, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's was... the competition between Mario Lamina and um, Wilfred Sahar for the world's oldest teenager. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, and I, I said to the bloke next to me, Kev, I was like, you know, we're at goal up, a man up. Not even Nathan Jones can fuck this up, right? <laughs> Hold my beer. <laughs> Tim, where did it all go wrong? Where did it all go wrong was initially appointing Nathan Jones uh, <laughs> to the team back in October, November. That's where it went wrong. Uh, where it went wrong in this game, though, was uh, the at halftime. So, no takeaway. That's where it went wrong. Yeah, it. well, so there weren't any adjustments made on e- for either team going into half. Um, you didn't see any substitutions. You didn't see any formations of play. Literally, they just basically dropped back a little bit more, kept the same formation, and I'm talking about Wolves here. And yeah, they, and, they just and had to hold on to halftime, didn't they? Yeah. So you can sit, have a chat with them and say, that this is what I'm going to do going out. Correct. So that's what went wrong. So you saw that the front forward or front movement play from them was still – was they recognize what was going, you know, where the where the points were to be able to expose them, and that was um, not basically to avoid Lavia because Lavia is all over the pitch today, and then uh, to work around recognizing that Alcaraz is cheating a little bit forward. Uh, Ward Prowse is on the yellow, so he's going to be a little less aggressive, and Perot and Bree were getting caught up higher, and Maitland Niles even was pushing higher because they felt that way. So Nathan Jones didn't make any adjustments. Lopetegui did, and you saw that the heat map uh, really did change, and that's where they found and exposed exposed us. Yeah, and this is what happens when you have a proper manager. You get someone that can manage a game, and yeah, Traore made the difference. And what did we do in response? I mean, we just sat back and watched it happen, and they got their rewards. And I don't know, Kev, Lopetegui must have said. You know, let's push men forward, get Traore on the ball, bring on Diego Costa as a focal point. Nathan Jones, in response, just allowed pressure. And then the own goal was just bloody comical. It was a complete mess. I mean, you could play that goal with the Benny Hill music. It just, I mean, I don't even know what to say at this point. Like, what was he doing? It, it just, and he does his usual thing as well. He's got his hands in the air and he's blaming everybody yeah. else around him. He can't sort his feet out. He can't sort his mouth out he can't sort his brain out he must have had a bet on um and yeah they need to check it they need to check it for match fixing they really do i don't i don't know what to say about that it's just comical polish betting cartel at it again yeah i mean it it starts off earlier than um than that i mean Bree on on the wing there he's not a premier league fullback i think that's that that's the last game that he's going to play in the same shirt you think? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm quite certain of that. I don't know. Well, well yeah, if um, Ruben Sellers, if mm. Ruben Sellers um, puts him out next week against Chelsea, I don't know, I'll be surprised. <laughs> I don't think he will, to be honest. Not against that he, front line. Um, but yeah, he, he makes absolutely no attempt to stop Bueno, um, and he manages to cross it past three of our defenders to find, uh, yeah, it's Diego Costa, isn't it? Yeah. Sends straight at Salisu. Uh, Perot doesn't clear it. I mean, you know, it's a catalogue of errors. Um, and then, yeah, finally, Triori managed to hit, hit a good old Yanni B in the knees. And that just sends him giddy. And uh, it's, it's, it's like, 
someone sort of if you're playing FIFA and someone nudges you in the shoulder and you just accidentally turn around and walk it into your own net. <laughs> yeah, I'm, la- I, 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 I'm laughing because I've got nothing else to say. It's just I, I, I if I don't laugh, I'm going to cry. I mean, and it's, it's yeah. yeah, it's a beginner's mistake on FIFA. That's what it looks like. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, yeah. And, and Bazza as well. What's he doing? Like titting about off his line? Um <laughs> You know, if you, you come off your line in a situation like that, you want to commit. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Awful. I mean, yeah, fair play to, to Jan Begnarik for getting in the position on the line to clear it, but just <laughs> not knowing what to do with the ball when it comes your way. Yeah. Uh, I, just, I mean, and, you know, the, you knew you knew it was coming, didn't you? I mean, if it, 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 you know, it wasn't as if Nathan Jones didn't know that. Well, he should have done. Everybody in the ground could see it apart from him. Uh, and... The winner was again, you know, it was, it was laughable again because I think it's Sulemana and Maitland Niles collide, um, and it gives the ball to, yes. to Jao Gomez, <laughs> and you know, just individual errors. I mean, you can't even blame that on on Nathan Jones. Both those goals were just defensive lapses, Tim. Just laughable. We got caught with our pants down, thinking that we were going to be able to cruise into a win, and ultimately be able to you know scrape by and say hey guess what we won one zero oh guess oh guess what we had to take a top you know take a draw one one nope we got caught like i said caught with our pants down and all of a sudden what are we doing what are we thinking about and just it, it, there's nothing that was successful in those last 20 to 30 minutes when you look at it 59 to 41 percent possession for uh for wolves you're giving wolves all the possession on the ball and you're sinking, sitting back and yet you're getting caught too high forward and you're not able to defend what in the world, you know, you've got the, the master of shithouse Diego Costa up there completely bossing around uh, Benaric and Maitland Niles and you know, just finding the space. And ultimately when you had the progressions of Nava Traore, which was probably the most effective sub that he had going into the, going into the second half, uh, I mean, the progressions that he had, I mean, I think he was the, the it factor for them. And once he was able to dribble past Perot, who can get caught out here and there, and was faster than just about everybody on, on the pitch, except for maybe Lavia, who is surprisingly really fast, and, and definitely Suleimana, but he wasn't drifting back. Um, it was just a clown show that, uh, you know, if we if we drew 1-1, maybe we would have held out and kept Nathan Jones for another week. And if for any hope and try savior for the rest of the season, you know, he could have, you know, we could have had another week with him. Um, yeah. And that, that's not what we needed. So this is ripping the bandaid off way past what's due, but we lost. Let's move on. And we need, this is the next step in the season. This is a uh, part three of three. And let's hope this train wreck is managed and mitigated as it goes through. Yeah, new era I'd again. Gone through because the, with with that result, and um, we've seen that a lot of times this season, um, that you get all three uh, permutations in the space of one match. So yeah, we start off by leading. Great, we're going to get three points. We'll be off the bottom of the table. Lovely shit. Then they get a ridiculous equaliser from them and go, oh, OK, well, at least my score prediction will be right this week. <laughs> um, and then, then fuck it up at the end. Well, at least Jones has lost his job. 
Exactly. It's a win-win-win for me in this match. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. Uh, something I want to talk to you about as well, Tim, is, is the free kicks from James Ward-Prowse. I mean, he had two free kicks from range, um, and both times, Prowse didn't shoot. He takes the pass. This is obviously something they've worked on in training. Why is he not shooting there? And don't give me some crap about it being too close, because at this desperate time. Yeah, it was. But at this desperate time, you need to hit the fucking thing to give us a chance. Don't fuck about with it. That's one that Salisa almost put in. Um, That almost led to a goal. Almost. Almost is nothing. You would have had a bloody better chance having a shot. You've seen his record. Just have a go. Even if it is too close. What happened with Perro against Blackpool? The wall separated. You've got to take these chances. But both of those, they laid it off. Now, that, that's that got to be Nathan Jones, hasn't it? Saying, look, this yeah. is going to catch him out. But it didn't. And we ruin it again. Why don't they just... Take, yeah, I just... I, yeah, I was so, so unhappy. The people around me as well, they just couldn't believe what they were seeing. Everyone had their phones out, Tim, right, 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 waiting for the free kick and for that moment. And it was just like, oh, what the fuck was that? Yeah, exactly. Um, I am going to <laughs> kind of agree here with uh, Kev saying that while it too close is one of the ideas, if you look at his heat map and where he scored his uh, all of his free kicks, it's if you're looking directionally at the goal, it's to the le- if the free kick is lined up to the the, the left half of the field, then at that point he's been able to score. Um, but you're telling me that, that that James Wood Prowse knows that he knows his heat map and he knows where he's taking it from. I get that it was too close because I mean, like I said to the people around me, look, this is too close. It's probably not going to have enough to get up and under. Just fucking hit the thing. Just hit the thing. Even even Perot was looking over it. He wasn't thinking to lay it off. They were both looking at that. That first one thinking, oh, there's a chance. Oh, the here. first one. So you yeah. come up the second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The first one. Yeah. But I just. I'm just disappointed that they didn't even have a go, especially being in the in the situation that we're in, because that second one, it came when we were two one down in stoppage time. It was give us something. Yeah, it could have. Uh, it definitely could have uh, changed it. I tend to agree, but I agree that giving more props the ball in any situation close to the goal on a free kick is Absolutely. always a good thing. Absolutely, yeah. And at some point, Tim, you you can't blame it all on Jones because the player's drop was really evident. Uh, what happened to their levels? Like, has everything dropped? Like, energy levels? There was only one side out there that were interested in winning balls and points, and they were aggressive. They wanted it more, and it looked at times that we that we had ten men because there were so many times we were outnumbered in our own box with a man advantage. It's disgusting. It's 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 just not good enough. And Barrett. Jones. Yeah, it is. And Jones clearly does not know how to manage that way. And he said so in his post-match comments, which we'll get to shortly. But just saying that, you know, it's, it's kind of a free hit for them. Uh, it, it's, it's to our detriment that we had uh, 10 men, uh, that they had 10 men. Clearly does not know how to manage in these situations. And But like I said, can't blame it all on Jones because the players were crap second half. They just dropped off everything. He set them up to fail. Ultimately, that's why he lost his job. And five, win, five wins, nine losses... Uh, in 14 games, three of those are be- being in the cup games. So ultimately, what truly matters is two and nine. Uh, desert, uh, you know, a train wreck of post-game cre- press conferences, pre-game press, you know, midweek, anything that mm. you see there. It, it, all in all, um, Foss. just absolute trash, just pure yeah. trash here, through and through. Yeah. 
And Kev, Alan Shearer, I mean, he said, I don't know if you saw a match of the day, but he said it looks like the players aren't enjoying what they're being told to do. Uh, do you think this is the case? Do you think they are? Uh, the players are just as fed up with Jones as, as we are or were. Uh, not entirely sure. I mean, the first half, I'm, if he's gone in at half time, I must have been that. I'd have said, no, they seem to be mm. doing what he wants and, you know, got a positive result out of it. Um, like I said, yeah, we, we, we weren't looking bad. We looking, were looking good. Um, yeah, aggressive, start pressing more, um, making a lot more chances, um, get some decent crosses in. Well, yeah, if we'd have just been a bit more accurate and managed to get a second goal, we, Needed that we could have had it wrapped up. And oh, yeah, yeah, um, we could have, um, sat back like we did in the second half and Wolves wouldn't have really had a look in because they wouldn't have had the belief that they could turn it around with 10 men. Absolutely, but, yeah. Um, yeah, the changes that Lopetegu made and said, like, oh, just, just go for it, we got nothing to lose. And, uh, yeah, we just we sat back too deep and invited them in. And, yeah, at home against 10 men, where the possession is, like, yeah, it's like 60-40 against us. Um, yeah, you're just, you're just asking for trouble. It's devastating, Kev. It really is. And just 2-1 against 10 men. And control of the game for large periods, like you just said. And, and I even commented that we were winning the ball back with ease in that first half. Yeah. Breaking well. Sulamala looked good. Alcaraz, Lavia, they all looked good. But no doubt whatsoever that, you know, we would get the three points. They were there for the taking and we blew it. And we had opportunities to make it too. And we just lost all hope, lost possession, allowed pressure. And we've seen it happen again. And it's just it's sickening. And the fans I mean when that equaliser went and there were fans just marching in front of me going straight to the dugout and someone had that P45 banner and he got ejected as a result Um, (laughs) I'm sure he wasn't bothered about missing that much but Nathan Jones walked straight down the tunnel afterwards as well just letting the players face the music again but I don't know I guess he kind of had to didn't he for his own own safety (laughs) it's such, such such an awful awful situation and it was it was just horrible to be around at that point and kev the the second half stats i mean they they tell a story don't they? because five shots to their nine you know three t- three of those in the box to their six and 43 percent possession to their 56 we kind of just relinquished everything and this is this is 10 against 11 yeah beggars belief isn't it yeah, uh, have you got any more stats there? Yeah, I mean in total we had we had 17 shots. Could you believe it? Um, yeah, how many of them were on target? Uh, two. Two. Yeah, two. Exactly the same number that they had. Yeah, terrible. I mean the xG kind of shows for it. Yeah, 0.42 against 0.76. Oh, God. It's just a, it's a, a, a terrible match against. Uh, yeah, what? It wasn't that good a Wolves team, you know. We could have we could have put them to bed, but we didn't. They're there for the taking, yeah. Uh, mm. And his that that interview for you, that pre uh, post match interview for me, the ten men was to our detriment because it made a free, it made it a free hit for them and added pressure on us. It shouldn't be like that. We should control the game from then with ten men. But once we didn't take a second chance, it seemed to galvanise them. So he did notice then. Because I don't think he did. Um, He's blaming Lavida for our loss. That's hilarious. Yeah. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Again, it's just somebody else. Yeah. We had lots of shots around the box, but not really any of quality. We needed to win in a, uh, in a Premier League game. Uh, they've got fortunate with the first goal. 
and then showed a bit of quality to win the game. Tim, man of the match. Uh, Lavia. I think he was okay. all over the play, and he is one of the best players on the team when he's on when he's on the pitch for 90 minutes. Cool. Kevin, man of the match. No, oh, fuck. Um, can I be a whist and ask for yours? I'll do the uh, Yeah, I'm just going to go for Suleimana because I just thought that, uh, he looks good whenever he, he got, the, got on the ball. He looked exciting, and he looked like the most threatening player that we had. I think uh, Onuachu was, was a good focal point. Um, disappointed to see him go off, if I'm honest. Uh, but, yeah, for me, Suleimana, I, I just thought he, was, uh, he, looked, he looked quite tasty. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I was hoping that you'd give it to him because so that I can uh, give uh, Alcor his uh, credit for getting his first Saints goal. Yeah, he was good too. I think. I think if anything stays out of uh, Jones ball, it's got to be that choice of uh, three in midfield. Yeah, yeah, that's the only thing that we were uh, praising, really, weren't we? So that was it. Uh, yes, uh, Tim. Okay, uh, Chelsea. <laughs> Now, next week, Saturday the 18th of February, 3 o'clock kickoff. Not a typical Chelsea season, is it? They've had eight points from the last five out of a possible 15. Uh, Potter's having a bit of a rough ride, isn't he? Ninth in the league, which is a complete failure by their standards. And unlikely they'll be making the Champions League spaces. Uh, I think we're more likely to qualify for the Champions League over them. But um, Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> you look at their last five... Um, OK, so they lost lost two under Fulham, beat Palace 1-0, drew 0-0 with Liverpool and then drew 0-0 with Fulham uh, and then a 1-1 draw with West Ham. Uh, not not great form, is it? And Potter's under pressure. Uh, Kai Havertz and Raheem Sterling have got six goals for them and the assists, uh, it's Mason Mount, he leads the way with four. On the head-to-head, we've won 32, Chelsea have won 39 and we've drawn 31. That's closer than I thought it would be, actually. Uh, but yes, Tim... Why are Chelsea going to end this barren spell of theirs and absolutely destroy us? Uh, because we're not going to have anybody to lead us at the time. Yeah. We will have a leader. Well, Ruben Sellers will be there. But uh, nonetheless, uh, why are they going to do that? They are a group of superstars, but not a team. They don't mm. play together very well. Um, and the reason is, is they... Neither do we, though. So. Well, <laughs> yes. But they've signed a bunch of superstars on eight-and-a-half-year deals this past January. Graham Potter it doesn't know what to do with it. And overall, um, while they have individual talent who has definitely thrived uh, the last two games for Enzo Fernandez, who's signed in, he basically looks like he is Nicola Conte. Uh, Betty, Ashile, or Betty Ashil from Monaco has looked pretty good as well, although he did get pants earlier in this uh this game against West Ham. Uh, and then you've got Jao Felix, who, well, uh, had a unfortunate spell there where he was out for three straight games uh, with a red card, um, but has looked promising and a goal uh, in the past game here against West Ham. So who else to look for? Who else to see? Uh, Reese James is back from injury right now. Uh, Tiago Silva has just recently re-signed and is going to be going into his 40th year in this world. Uh, and yeah, I see that. That's so and, bizarre, yeah, isn't it? Absolutely. And then you've got, I mean, a ho- host of other players, too, well, uh, being good, um, but also uh, haven't thrived necessarily in the, in, in, re- in, in, in the recent games. So you look at their past games that they just played, West Ham 1-1 against Chelsea, uh, uh, Chelsea full, 0-0 against Fulham, uh, Liverpool 0-0, beat Crystal Palace 1-0, they lost to Fulham, 
uh, 2-1, and that was the uh, red card game for Jao Felix. And then they got just absolutely schlacked in the FA Cup against Manchester City 4-0. Um, so overall, tons of new signings this past uh, this past January window. Uh, biggest one to highlight is probably Mirdik from uh, Shakhtar Donetsk, uh, over or potentially up to 100 million euros. So the number is fluctuates here and there, depending on which uh, which source you look at. Uh, other players to look at who have been really good, like I said, Betty Ashiel, um has been really good. Reece James is re- uh, recent, and then Maduke uh, is a new signing alongside. Um, well, taking a look at it. Jeez, oh, I mean, there's just so many new signings that they have this past all season. So, and uh, David Detrofofana from, oh no, uh, Bodo Glimt in Norway. Yeah. So, uh, overall, what to think, what to expect? Well, he's been playing around and tinkering with formations. So, you've seen Kukurea, you've seen uh, Chilwell on the left, you've also seen Lewis Hall get a get a start there on uh, for left wing for left uh for left fullback. Um, you don't know really there. So who's going to be the guaranteed players that are going to be there? Uh, well, you've got Mendy out for injury. So look at for, for Kepa to start. Look for Thiago Silva. And I think they're going to have continuity with uh, Betty Shield, who has started the last few games alongside him. So then uh, left back, complete toss up. Uh, pick, you know, you know, pick your poison. And they'll go with four at the back because they want to be attacking. And Reese James uh, is right back there. Mm. So uh, Enzo Fernandez, absolutely going to be guaranteed to start. Um, so pick him in as your 6-8, and he'll probably play a little bit more progressive up the field than the heat map that he had against, um, as well, especially against um, um, with Fulham, but a little bit even more than West Ham. So overall, it's, you know, you pick your poison of everybody else who's going to be around and up there. Uh, you'll definitely look for Kai Havertz alongside uh, Jao Felix sitting right behind him. I think you'll get either Murdick or uh, Maduke. Maduke did, did recently start, but I think you'll slide Murdick back in. And then all in all, they played Ruben Loftus-Cheek for the first time all season in the last starting game. Uh, I don't think they're going to do that again. He didn't look that great. And maybe no, you'll slide. Gallagher came on for him, didn't he? Yeah, I think you'll slide Gallagher back in, and then pick your poison with who's going to be in the right wing. You know, yeah, there's Mount, so many. Mason in- Mount can play there. Yeah, yeah. I th- Mount's been hasn't been injured, so I think you'll see you'll see that. So um, all in all, a four-two-three-one with a really, really, really progressive uh, push, knowing that they're going to be able to hold and maintain possession for a long period of time, and. Uh, it doesn't look good because as much they have, uh, they're the sum of the parts. I think their talent will overwhelm us. So what are we going to do? What was our formation going to be? Who knows? Ruben Sellers might go back to the four-two-two-two that he started or saw with uh, with Ralph. He might see more of a four-two-three-one for a little bit more continuity. I don't think he's going to set up in a five-three-two. If he does, um. I sure as hell don't want to see Ailey Maitland-Niles, well, anywhere near the team in general. Um, I don't think he's the, you know, the future of the team, and I want to see players who can make a difference. Um, so all in all, uh, we didn't mention Bazunu. He was absolutely just trash against Wolves. He just is not, he, he, he's been the worst starting keeper in the league, and it, it's not looking good. Caballero, is he going to be the one? I could see that as a potential shakeup that Salah's is seeing. And that's what that you would potentially get from a um, from a caretaker manager uh, who's going to be right back. Well, I think Bree is the only option at this point. 
And then uh, who knows with our center backs who's going to be back. If Belichop is going to be in, I could see him alongside Salisu. Um, DCC is going to be on the bench. Um, and then at left back, you'll see Perot. Uh, Lavia's look great, and I think they're going to continue, like I said, the 4-2-3-1. Um, so I'm going to go with Lavia, Alcaraz, and JWP. And then really it's just a complete toss-up. I think you're going to see Suleimania, uh, because he had, he, he did look good. He was definitely my second person for, against, um, against Wolves. Uh, and then, uh, Orsic will be back on the bench. I think you'll see either Adams or Tall Paul up there. Um, I think that Tall Paul would get dominated by Thiago Silva and, uh, Betty Ashiel is massive as well. He's six four. So don't, um, I think Adams would be a little bit better, uh, to play and run around. And then on the right wing, who are you going to go? Who are you, who are you going to get? Maybe somebody like Aribo. I mean, we have so many attacking options that we talked about last Dizzy. week. And Dizzy yeah, Stuart Armstrong. Dizzy, Stuart Armstrong, if he's able to get back in and get maybe a good solid 60 minutes. Uh, I mean, person we didn't even talk about who wasn't on the bench was Elianusi. Uh, I don't think we mentioned him all game long. And uh, that's just to show that he hasn't been missed. Let's just hope we can scrap away something and get that new manager bounce. Um, and hopefully um, something will happen and be able to pull something out. Unlikely. Yes, very unlikely, especially against them. But um, yeah, on to predictions then. Kevin, you are up first, my friend. Be kind. Yeah, just uh, I, I just, just just had a thought that we we've got a, a kind of secret weapon that we're we're not utilising. Um, we've got such a big squad, and now that we've got five substitutions, we could just absolutely destroy in midfield. Just you know, have the players play at such a high intensity and swap out the midfield at half time and yeah. still be able to do it in the second half. Why not? Because we don't have enough quality in depth. We got depth, but not quality in depth. I don't know with the name, the, the number of names that that you've just put up. I mean, we could we could easily do it. Okay, keep Ward Browse, swap out the other four, stick on Che, what on top. Yeah, we can we can do that. Um, anyway, uh, okay, put, yeah, put your prediction. CV in, yeah, put your CV into Rasmus, and, <laughs> and we'll see. Um, I'll maybe hold on that. Um, well, you, I mean, you've got just as much experience as him, uh, and I know you're not going to give stupid speeches and comments like that. Well, I don't know. You have done quite a few of them as well. Yeah, definitely not. They'd be my highlight. They'd win over the fans. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we were dog shit. And we really, uh, at least to talk in the first person. Yes. Know, unless sort of non-binary talking in the third person. Yeah, as long as you don't say and stuff, then you'll be fine. Yeah, with all, the, with all the greatest respect. respect. Yeah, we were bollocks. <laughs> um, yeah, with the greatest respect, absolutely no logic to uh, my decision uh, in true Nathan Jones style. I'm just going to keep going with a one-all draw and hope that the shit eventually sticks. You are fucking mad, mate. You really are yep. mad. Uh, yep. I can't see it. Uh, Tim, you're up next. Uh, 3-0. 3-0, yeah. Yeah, Chelsea win, yeah. Because, ah. Tim, that is exactly what I'm going for as well. I can't see anything other than... I think this is going to... I think Mudrick's going to score his first goal. I think they're going to just completely kickstart their, their season. Which, you know reset for them and they're just gonna yeah we always seem to do this don't we we give we give players that are uh, needing a lift we give it to them um and i can't oh, see no. anything, do you, anything if i'm playing devil's do. advocate we have had some decent results against chelsea in the past we have years. we have yeah we had that free all didn't we we had that win at boxing day 
Um, but you know that's a long time ago now, and I've never felt as as well, especially since starting the podcast, I've not felt as uh, as down on the team as I am right now. Oh, I can't see a way out of it, and I don't think. Yeah, I feel sorry for Ruben Sellers because he's going to have to pick the pick the guys up and go to Stamford Bridge. It doesn't get more difficult than that. Um, okay, so Discord then. Uh, Wolves game. Most people going for a Wolves win, uh, aside from you, Kev, uh, Colt Baker, uh, Dan Fox, not very slim, Jim. And Mark Griffiths, three people going for the correct 2-1 to Wolves. So that's Tony Mears, Kurt Supple and Frederick Lazaro. Uh, Frederick Lazaro actually is a new leader. He's on 46 points now. Dan Fox is second on 42. Uh, Super six, round 34 was Adam Laver on nine points. Round 35 is ongoing. Uh, Fantasy football then, guys. I have 24 points so far this game week. Um, Nice. I'm slightly overloaded with City and Arsenal players. That's not a bad thing. Yeah. Um, what about you, gents? Um, well, I don't know because I'm avoiding the lead score because I'm going to watch it in a bit. So I think the last time I looked, I was on 14. I'm sitting on 28 points here. Oh, Tim. <laughs> You're continuing. Well, without spoiling it for you, average is 18 right now. Mm. Um, so that's not a spoiled. That's not a spoil on your end, um, just because that's where the average is. So you're right about where the average, and likely since you have a couple players playing in the United Leeds game, it's going to be higher than that. Yeah, I'm hoping, unless they will get red cards and own goals. Yeah, um, uh, it, it's uh, Oliver Boaster. He, he's taking a big uh, shit on you. Yeah, 20 points ahead at the top of the league side. It's going to be difficult to catch. Uh, it's between me and Tim for second place. Two points within it. And, wow. uh, yeah, and Jamie, then 20 points behind that. Um, yeah, big league. Let's look at the big league. Apparently, I am 27th. Yes, I am sliding a little bit. Um, uh, yeah, Jamie Thorpe, top of the league. Uh, Five points behind him, Marlon, Ailing, Allen, and Lucy Hynett as, uh, yeah, in third place now. Clawing her uh, way back. And Tim, yeah, she, she's, uh, yeah, making a good break in the middle of the season. Good stuff. Um, uh, where am I? I got a where am I for you. I, I had this one last week, but I decided to admit it from, uh, because, because you weren't here, Kevin. I thought I can't really comp- let, uh, Tim compete on his own. So uh, we'll do it this week. Um, are we? Uh, is this a hell yeah from both of you? Yeah, I'm gonna make a guess hell before yeah. you even, uh, <laughs> ask me a question. Are you in a Welsh mining village as a PE teacher with a lovely Welsh wife? <laughs> no, but I'm regretting that now. <laughs> ah. um, okay, so double one then. Uh, this stadium is located. Don't forget, you need to say your name so I know who, who got there in there first. Um, so, yeah, clue number one for five points. This stadium is located 243 miles from St. Mary's. Millennium Stadium, uh, Cardiff. Oh, I heard no name, but I guess that wasn't Tim. Tim. Uh, no, it's not. Uh, are you in Doncaster? No, I'm not. Uh, OK, number two uh, for four points. Approximately 45 miles northeast of Old Trafford. Tim, no. John Smith Stadium, Huddersfield. It's not Tim. Um, Kevin, are you at Valley Parade? Yes, I am, Kevin. Yes. <laughs> well done. That's incredible. Oh, Four shit. points, Kev. How did you do that? Was that just a lucky guess? Oh, what was it? North east of... There's um, a lot of things north east of Old Trafford. Uh, There's a hell of a lot, including Huddersfield. So, yeah. 
That's pretty damn good. Um, yeah, my third clue for three points. Uh, the city is located in West Yorkshire. Uh, fourth clue for two points. Currently competing in League Two and have spent two seasons in the Premier League from 1999 and have the West Yorkshire derby with Leeds and Huddersfield Town. Uh, and clue number five, suffered the tragedy of the stadium fire in 1985, where 56 fans lost their lives um, and have a ex-saint currently between the sticks. That's Harry Lewis, by the way. Uh, yeah, of course, oh. it was Brad- Bradford City uh, Valley Parade. But for sponsorship reasons, Kevin. Um, oh, God. Um, it's not the we buy any car stadiums. <laughs> no, I love your... Uh, uh, your guesses on this is great. I know it's actually the University of Bradford Stadium, so nothing, uh, nothing too. Have they also not got a, an ex-Saints manager as well. Uh, I don't know who their manager is. Oh, Mark Hughes's manager. Okay, yeah. Well, I didn't, I didn't even realise that. Actually, I did know that he went somewhere, but I couldn't remember where it was. But yeah, I, I wow, yeah, okay, I missed it. But uh, never mind. I, I just try and forget about that guy. Uh, Kev, you're on eight points. Uh, Tim, you're on nothing. Uh, it's, but I tell you what. That was bloody close. You got Huddersfield in there, and I thought, yeah. I laughed because I thought, shit, you're not that far away. So, yeah, that was a pretty good pretty, pretty good guess. Um, next week, yes, we'll go through uh, the trip to Stamford Bridge uh, and that huge encounter against Leeds will be uh, the focus of the preview. Uh, but until then, up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Saints. Up the Southampton. Podcast Network.